Hello, this is the Black and Asian Therapist Network podcast. I'm Eugene Ellis. This podcast is for anyone who's interested in the internal psychological world from a Black and Asian perspective. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about what Barton could do to support training institutions. With me is someone who I've known for a little while, Ara Kay. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, yeah. Hi. Well, you're, you're a counsellor, you're a tutor, uh, or you've tutored on counselling courses, uh, you're a group facilitator, supervisor. Mentor, um, coach. Mentor, coach, yes. Um, and you've been in the field for a long time. Yeah, since um, 1986. Okay, so you could be considered an, a kind of an elder, I guess in the counselling field and you also co-facilitate the group with uh, the, the, the Barton men's group with, with me and another as well and recently you've been part of the um the Barton leadership group as well yes. so do you want to say a little bit more about you and yourself just to sort of get you into who you Ooh. are I think the kind of uh, the professional stuff it does say something about me but I think one of the things that is also specific uh, well interesting shall I say about Mm -hmm. me is I'm very much into creativity so I'm a artist with with many stripes I'm a musician I'm a ceramicist I'm a photographer I'm a writer Mm -hmm. um, and I think all those feed into the way in which I work as well so that's an important part of me yeah 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 and um, that's been a part of you that you kind of try to you know you're developing more and more um, yeah, as as the years in this go part on. of your life, yeah, 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 yeah. my autumn years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is going to be a slightly different podcast than a normal podcast because normally I would interview someone directly, and this is going to be more of a conversation. Yeah, uh, it's a kind of a new format. We'll see how it goes, and what we're going to be talking about is about Barton and how Barton could support training institutions to create an environment where issues of difference and diversity in the therapeutic process can be explored and addressed to facilitate that barton runs a uh, a trainers forum which uh, you co-facilitate with me arake mm-hmm. well last year we were hosted at uh, city lit mm-hmm. someone called celia levy invited us down there to use some of their spaces and um, this year we are at the place to be which again is a you know really nice venue and again we've been invited to the place to be by nikki cooper and we're running this year five forums mm-hmm trainers forums specifically for supporting institutions or people in those institutions to create you know those kind of environments where black and asian therapists can grow last weekend we decided that we would bring two issues really to the group and this podcast is really going to be about that isn't it about you know what, what we discussed and what came out of that and there were two questions we were grappling with the first was i guess it's not a new idea but it was like a guide for training institutions yeah. So something that institutions could take and, and use. And the other one was, um, or what could Barton offer in terms of an organisational member or, or membership? And then we sort of split up into groups and just thought about those two proposals. Mm. I remember, you know, going around the group, everyone introducing themselves. And you know, just, I was just aware that there were so many institutions represented there, <laughs> probably 10 or so. There were 11 of us in the room. Mm-hmm. What was your impressions of that space and the whole day? Because it was a whole day, really, weren't we? We were thinking it was about a, these. Off the top of my head, I would say the day was good. Mm-hmm. The people really appreciated the space. 
What's wonderful about the forums is that you, you never know exactly who's going to be there, so it's, it's always a different combination of people. Mm. There were some new people there and some people that had been there, you know, in previous ones, and I think there was a good, good mix, and some people came not knowing what to expect. Even some of the people who had been before came not knowing what to expect. Mm. And I think they appreciated the fact that the structure of the day was very straightforward. The two things that you've mentioned that were the, the focus, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and splitting into small groups to, um, you know, to discuss those ideas. Yes. I think it worked really well and, it, you know, the group really appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I mean, maybe just to say a little bit more about those trainers' forums. Basically, they came about through the experience that many students have, and I know it's an experience that I had, whereby you could be going about your course and everything's kind of going okay. Everyone's calm and uh, reflective and in the process and doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, race comes out. Something about race sort of appears in the space. And then all of a sudden, there's a change in the in the mood of the room. And all of a sudden, people become less clear, less coherent. And often it ends up in silence. I mean, that's kind of my experience. So the forums really are about encouraging and creating a space where there is no silence, actually, where the conversation continues and um, and that they find their voice in that space. That's the sort of reason why the forums exist. And as you say, there was a real mix of people, weren't there? There um, uh, There were course leaders, trainers who were sort of training directly, FE colleges, uh, further education colleges and the private institutions, mm-hmm. uh, some quite famous ones and some smaller institutions as well, private institutions. And a fair mix of um, black and white and, uh, and men and women as well, actually. So there, was quite, there was quite a few men there. It was a very uh, diverse group, I thought. You know, it was a, was a good space and I think we came up with some stuff to chew on, that's for sure. I don't think we got the definitive answers, but I think we made a really good start in, in a lot of areas. I mean, I don't know where to kind of really start with this, really. <laughs> there, was, there's, uh, there was so much there that it was kind of hard to sort of distill it all down. Yeah, um, I, think, I think this will be a, uh, it will be a distillation. It won't necessarily be a verbatim, and there's so much here, really. Yeah. And there's, there's probably so much more than we've got here that could be added to this as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that, that this will generate some interest and some feedback as well. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. We had two groups, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, talking about a guide for training institutions. Mm. And the way that we start was the first thing. Certainly in our group, we decided that we would maybe start with the trainers themselves or or keep our focus on the trainers. Mm -hmm. And in the guide, point out the inevitable dynamics that happen. It is quite predictable. You know, there may be silence. You know, there are particular things that happen sometimes and, and to articulate those in, in, a, in some kind of document and then to have some way, maybe through an example or, or a bunch of examples that talk into that particular issue. Mm. I thought that was an interesting idea to kind of um, make it sort of quite a live document. Well, in the group that I was in, it's similar. We identified the different areas that would be 
you know, useful to focus on. So like staffing, on recruitment, on the course content and delivery, the things that will be set up for support both for students and for staff, uh, supervision, you know, personal and professional development. We looked at those, those kind of areas, really. But the challenge, though, is um, how do you get to talk about race? You know, the issue is about race. It's about, you know, people targeted by racism, you know. Yeah. And that word... It's almost like the N-word, you know. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. People don't necessarily like to go there with that, you know, but that's what the issue is about. So how do you get to talk about those issues and make it safe for people to feel they can talk about it without necessarily people feeling or thinking that they're bad or that they're, you know, that, that, they, that they, they're not together with the issues? And so, and so it's, 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 a, it's a tough one. It's, so what's really important is to try and create the safety to allow the free conversation to happen. And that's challenging. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, in, certainly in the group I was, I think someone was talking about how they witnessed something going on in, in one of the personal development groups. There was a white student who was talking about an experience with a, a black person, not in the training institution, but somewhere else, describing her fear about the interaction that she had with this um, black man. And there was a black man in the PD group. And uh, the trainer was kind of, didn't quite know what to do and didn't do anything in that moment, but then went away and reflected and then came back for the next PD and then spoke into her experience at that point and, and actually kind of made herself quite vulnerable, I guess, in that, in that interaction. Certainly as a trainer, you bring that sort of vulnerability into the space. You know, once you do enter into the area of race, you are opening yourself up and making yourself vulnerable. And so what you just talked about, the safety, you know, that's really, really important. And the confidence, you know, to go in there and put that vulnerability into the space. I guess you were saying, well, I I didn't know quite what to do when that happened. Mm. And I didn't quite know what to say and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just going to say what my experience was which was that and then that created a discussion which allowed allowed the conversation to continue they're quite sort of subtle things about vulnerability and safety and all that stuff and then there's the institutions and what they need to do mm-hmm. and all the things one you the mentioned things, and how those two goes together you know yeah that, but that one was, of the things that was came up in 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 the group that i was in i think it came up elsewhere as well was if you just think about it as a guide it could just end up like a tick box you know yeah and, and clearly that's not what it's about it's about giving people an idea about where they might put their minds to getting this right it's about what is it that you have to do to make it the word you use was a lived experience i think it's how do you make it real mm. you know how do you make it real i guess the guide could kind of anticipate or even suggest that um doing this work you have to anticipate that there will be an atmosphere. Yes. There will be discomfort. People mm. won't necessarily feel at ease. Mm. What I would say about that is that that's probably a good thing, that, you know, that that's the place where learning can take place. You're not going for that per se to make people feel uncomfortable, but at that point where there is that tension, the possibility exists for something new or for something, some discovery to be made. And it's about... The people who are facilitating the training, showing that they're confident mm. in being able to hold the space while that is happening. Because to stop that, to, to stem that from happening means mm. that the work doesn't get done. 
So the confidence has to be, and the confidence and experience has to be in the facilitators sure. to, to enable that process. Yes, yes. So, you know, the guide will try in some way to, <laughs> to indicate that uh, that's a requirement. Yeah, and I think that's the way. I mean, obviously, there will be, you need to do this, this and that, and a tick box thing, but to also incorporate, as you say, a lived experience in the document. talking to an audience like in a conference or something and i'm talking about this these kinds of issues you know the audience is is divided into three and i think in a training institution setting it will probably be the same you know there's one group that's sold and they've developed their voice quite well Mm -hmm. and then there's another group who are sold and who haven't really developed their voice they're unsure and don't quite know what to say and what to do then there's a third group that aren't sold at all Mm -hmm. All those groups have got different work to do. Yeah. But in any group, you're going to find that's going to be how it slices up. Yeah. If that was going to be almost like an inevitability, then um, you would preempt that by doing some kind of exercise. Mm. And someone in our group decided that, well, why don't you just, just chop the group in three? <laughs> uh, and then people can self-select where they think they go. Yes. You know? And then that, that embodiment, in a way, you've kind of created a, a narrative already just by doing that exercise and and creating some awareness that that is what is going going on in the room you know doing those kind of things I think could be quite a useful thing to um put in a document because I think people do want to know what to do you know what what do I actually do when this happens you know and and that question what do I need to do it's a it's an interesting one because for me what the doing is is being. It's it's about how do I have to be rather than what do I have to do. Yes. It's about an attitude. It's about a perspective. It's about a way of being that will allow. Mm. So that's what you have to do. But it's a that's a being thing. If you know, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Um, you know, there's a theory and then there's a practice. Yes. Um, I don't know how you would put that into a document. That sort of sounds. But well, I think one of the things that I think would be useful in a document would be to say what what are people's backgrounds you know what experience have they had mm-hmm. you know have they had to be in such a situation and hold that mm-hmm. how have they managed what are they you know what are the things that, that that enabled them to facilitate that that would be a useful thing to kind of hint at suggest ask directly in mm-hmm. in a document that would be a guide the thing is it's just a guide it's so so it would be these are the things that have been found to be useful to actually facilitate these processes that we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these kind of experiences really help yes. a person to be able to hold that. Yes. And I don't know whether staff on courses will be prepared to kind of go through some additional training to be able mm-hmm. to get to that place, whatever, because it may not necessarily exist within the staff. They want to know what to do, mm. how to be, and they may need to develop some further capacity in order to be able to do it. I mean, it is like anything to do with therapy to some extent, you know, I'm going to be working now with eating issues or whatever, you know, you get the skeleton of what you need to do, Mm -hmm. you know, a bullet point list of stuff. And then you go through a process of supervision, I suppose, that you and self reflection over a course of time, figure out your style and work with the issues. There's the being there's a doing what to do in the room, but there's also the, the, the ongoing coming back to your practice. Yeah, 
normally that's done in supervision or some kind of group where you know you're not doing any direct work but you're just reflecting on the work you've already done with maybe with someone who's maybe a few steps ahead of the road that would probably be a requirement wouldn't it that would go in a document so it it would in fact be really won't it Uh, these are the things that normally happen these are the things you could do Mm-hmm. in the terms of exercises just raw exercises and it should be this often maybe it might be quite prescriptive really isn't it and it's this yeah. often yeah. yeah and and also maybe training as well you know, this yeah. training that training and that training and sort of pushing people through a process it's quite exciting to know that something like this could be created for organizations because i think there are many organizations who want to be more effective in this area but then get stuck there really so the intention is there it's more complex than that but you know that's kind of where people are starting well it was very evident from the very first meeting that we had by the numbers of people who turned up you know hand on heart wanting to actually you know make some progress somewhere Mm, yeah that was very clear yeah and it has been clear you know ever since really and what this weekend helped us to do is actually to bring a sharper focus on on the specifics yes i think there was a general okay we don't want a a list of things Mm -hmm. it needed to be more process-based didn't it as well i think and more yeah yeah, i think that was kind of the general feeling I mean, what have you noticed from your list of stuff? I'm just trying to go through here. Oh, God, there's lots. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots. Okay. Just under the heading of uh, course execution and delivery, Yeah. there are a few points. So to what extent are non-dominant ways of seeing the world given value? Hmm. Yeah. Are Western-stroke European-American philosophies and perspectives privileged in the course materials? Mm-hmm. To what extent do the course materials reflect the makeup of the people of the world? Um, Mm. To what extent do the course designers see issues of race as central? Mm. And then following on from that, support for this. To what extent are students' own values and perspectives validated? Mm. To what extent are students given support to interrogate various theories in relation to their own ways of seeing the world? And then to what extent are structures put in place to address students' experiences of feeling overwhelmed, silenced, isolated, stupid, less than, invalidated, etc.? To what extent are the students supported to work with and manage the dynamics that can arise from the perceived differences between them? Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things Mm -hmm. I... I mean, I've got lots more things, but I thought those particular things are going to require very specific... Well, I mean, the practical things about the materials... Yes. You know, it's it's a practical thing, you know. It's also a philosophical uh, thing about, well, how are we slanting this course, you know? Yeah, yeah. What kind of course is it? So it's about about the ethos of the course as well as a practical thing. But the stuff, when we get to looking at students and their values, it's about, you know, how am I going to be able to give the students the space to really process some difficult things here around mm. their own sense of self in relation to the materials that exist. Mm. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge one, really. I remember on the day, I think it probably you or maybe a, a, a few people 
were thinking about measuring the student's perspective on the process of change. So first, you know, before you introduce theory, so what's their ideas of the change process? And then measuring that with, you know, the received wisdom of the Euro-American theory base. And, you know, how do they fit? And then, you know, from there, you know, noticing the difference and noticing the discrepancies and then maybe bringing in material that supports the student's experience as well. You know, so you're actually making a course for the people who are there, uh, you know, partly. Yeah. So a lot of those things you mentioned are around that, aren't they? You know, you would then bring in all the bits you've just mentioned uh, to create something. I mean, that will take someone who has, uh, you know, quite an understanding, I guess, of all those dynamics and stuff. But, um, you know, that would be the ideal. Yeah. Just looking at the tension between, the, you know, the I worldview and the worldview of the community. Just bringing those ideas out. In a way, sometimes I don't feel like it needs to be like, OK, right now we're going to do this. And are you ready, guys? We're going to talk about this issue now. <laughs> quite often, those things just are just there. Quite often, I think people get, certainly trainers sort of get a bit caught up with like, okay, it's time, it's diversity time now. Okay, let's, let's put our pencils down <laughs> and get down uh, to this serious stuff. But it, in a way, it should just flow and be part of the training, yeah. really. There is a, a paradigm shift there, isn't there? And all the things you just mentioned and the supervision and all that do create the conditions for that shift. Yeah, I have but, some questions about, uh, this is under the heading of staffing, really. Yeah. And... Um, I'll just read the list that I've got. And I think it, it, it fits into the things I was saying before. Yes. Who are the staff and what are their backgrounds? How are the staff members recruited and selected? Mm-hmm. What level of understanding do they have of issues of race? What training have they had? What experiences have they had and how have they dealt with them? To what extent does the staff team have a comprehensive understanding of the mechanisms of oppression? Uh-huh. To what extent does the composition of the course team reflect the diversity that exists in the wider society? Mm. To what extent does the course team have the capacity to effectively deal with the challenges presented by the differences between them? Mm. Do the staff members receive appropriate supervision? I mean, I've got more, you know, but you want me to carry on with the list? Well, I mean... um... There's loads in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe at the end of this podcast, we will create something and people can see yeah. what we've I created. I think we but... need to get together, you and I, or, and maybe a team of us get together and just, you know, look at what we've got and, and you know, to yes. produce a decent document, we need to give some time to it. Yes, this, absolutely. Is just, this is just the first, uh, first phase, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's enough material there, as you say, to come together in some way. And maybe it will take several weeks and months to put something together. But it feels like there was some agreement with the people in the room about the kind of document they'd be looking for as an institution. And certainly we we would agree with a lot of that was what was said. Yeah. Should we move on to the organisational membership idea? Yeah. Maybe just to say a little bit about where that's coming from. Someone in the room said, well, what would they get out of an organisational membership if a training organisation were to be a, a member of Barton? What would they get out of it that they don't get now? 
I guess what would they, what they would get is probably more of an ongoing relationship and it could include you know the, this document we just spoke about and how they could implement that document I mean that would probably be where membership uh, kind of heads towards but there were a number of issues that came up straight away uh, we got into our group and, and immediately the conversation went towards a conflict between a student and the faculty or the or a tutor and then the organization having to make a call you know who's right who's wrong and someone has to go you know if there's accusations of racism there it becomes you know more more uh, fixed and will barton be someone who goes in there and mediates that kind of dispute mm-hmm. so we kind of got stuck for a little bit i mean how did, how did your group go i mean we, we did go somewhere in the end yeah but... there, were, there were different bits but one of the key bits i remember when people think about Barton, they think about Barton as a huge organisation, but actually Barton, <laughs> as you know, Eugene, <laughs> is not a huge organisation at all. And one of the things that came up in the discussion was that uh, maybe partnerships could be struck, yeah. whereby training organisations could actually offer training events that would be about addressing these things. So part of their membership could be about to support Barton for furthering its objectives or whatever. You know, that that was something that came up, I think, in the in the discussion. Hmm. And what else was said? So, I mean, just coming back to that, you're saying that um, they would have the aims and objectives of Barton and sort of create events and spaces that would continue the work that Barton's already doing. Yes. Right, and sort of bringing it to a, you know, a different audience, a wider audience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that was yeah. the germ of an idea, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there were other things that were said. One of the things that came up was that, well, there are some organisations that are maybe, in terms of the, you know, Barton's objectives, are further down the road in yeah. terms of where they are. Some are on the road and just trying to make their way, hmm. and others haven't even got on the road, you know. So that sure. different, levels, different levels of membership could be a, a thing to consider how that would break down in terms of what they would receive, I don't know, but that was mm. suggested that we'd have different tiers of membership. Okay, yeah. Um, there was also a suggestion of a way of continuing organisational membership was like ongoing evidence of development of their work towards the aims, you know. Right, okay. Attending Barton events and so on as a way of actually... Uh, maintaining their status as an as a organisational member. Those kinds of things were suggested. Right, right, yeah. You know? But, of course, that all revolves around the question of, you know, what are the benefits, and I guess that, that needs to be talked about more, really. Yes. Certainly if um, organisations are looking for particular people to do particular roles from, you know, black and Asian communities, it's a great place to just throw in your your wish mm-hmm. is a great way of getting to lots of people so button is quite small in terms of the people who do the work but it's quite a large body of people you know, stonewall is an organization um lgbt community have developed that work with organizations to look at issues of mm-hmm. discrimination within organizations and i've kind of looked at what stonewall offer and just to see whether that would be something like a little template that perhaps uh, could be a starting place. Um, And they've discovered that they've got a diversity champions program, which offers expertise and resources. 
it offers a, a benchmarking and assessment mm-hmm. and uh, visibility and branding. And also mm-hmm. they get discount rates for the courses that, that they run. And they've also got this um, workplace equality index. I don't know exactly how it works, but I think what happens is they um, organisations will kind of rate themselves in terms of, you know, what they're doing in terms of equality. And then they'll, they'll come out with a score, you know, an index. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I guess the task is then to raise the index, mm-hmm. uh, maybe through, through the membership. It does sound like it's a partnership idea. Yeah. Uh, that you first spoke about. There was also quite a strong kind of movement towards it being more more of a sort of supervisory mentoring type role mm-hmm. uh, that Barton would have. It would probably start off with some kind of measuring document, maybe in the form of the kind of thing we were speaking about previously, and then measuring the organisation based on that, and then having a, you know, a series of workshops, maybe more trainers' forums, perhaps mm-hmm. that focus on that just that one organisation. Mm-hmm. meeting with the staff team thinking about what the steps might be and then coming back and maybe meeting with the staff team the following year or six months mm-hmm. and kind of just sort of monitoring how things go so that was another idea someone yeah. came up with i think also the idea of uh, the importance of modeling what the membership offers should also be in some way should also mirror what they would do as an organization for the students yeah and I think the bottom line is, it's kind of little and often, isn't it? It's a kind of coming back to, it's a you know, continual checking in mm-hmm. and intervening at the times where, where it feels appropriate. Uh, so yeah, someone talk about CPD events. And, you know, maybe having a program of CPD events and supervision, and this, this is it, this is what you need, and just presenting it as a package of stuff. And then the membership would be about how they could maintain that and keep it going. Because a lot of it will be internal shifts and mm. some of it would be you know turning up to it to a place and you know having supervision so more practical things kind of looks like we've probably given a, a you know a broad brush of what what we looked at on the day isn't it we'll probably bring it to the leadership group we meet every couple of months and uh you know we spend the whole day thinking about you know where barton is going and i think this will be a topic that will probably take up a bit of time Mm-hmm. thinking about this mm. so that'll probably be the next stop uh, yeah. and then develop something as we go so it was uh yeah it was good talking to you good thinking about this and uh i'm gonna say goodbye to you and thank you for being part of the podcast you are you're welcome and uh, yeah, it was good to do it be good to hear from you and to hear your thoughts about supporting training institutions you can email me at eugene at baatm.org.uk or you can leave your thoughts on the barton podcast page hope you can join me for the next podcast but until then goodbye <laughs>